17 years after the first approved therapeutic for wet AMD, our geographic atrophy patients finally have a treatment of their own with the FDA approval of Apellus Pharmaceuticals Pegcetacoplin, now branded Cyclophorin. I'm Rebecca Hepp, Editor-in-Chief of Retina Today, and you are listening to New Retina Radio, brought to you by Retina Today and Bryn Mawr Communications. Today, I'm sitting down with our medical editors, Dr. Alan Ho, Director of Retina Research at Wills Eye Hospital in Philadelphia, and Dr. Bob Avery, Founder and CEO of California Retina Consultants in Santa Barbara. We're going to talk about what this approval means for patients and your clinics. Alan, Bob, thanks for joining me. It's a really exciting time to be here. Pleasure to be here with you at this time, uh, Rebecca. It's very exciting. Great. So let's just jump right in with some of your first impressions. What went through your minds when this approval came through? And it was already a little bit early at that. Bob, what were your thoughts? Well, it hit me as a surprise. I, I really wasn't expecting any action for another week due to the Padufa date. Uh, but the first thing I actually thought of was a handful of patients that I'd been promising, we have something coming, we're waiting for the FDA, and they were very upset when I uh, told them to expect it a, a few months before, before the Padufagate date got moved, when they uh, decided to file with their 24-month data. So people that I've told something is coming for some time have been waiting a little longer than I led them to believe. And so I, I felt a sense of relief that, yes, I'm going to face those people uh, in the coming month or two and be able to offer them something finally. Alan, what about you? When I was told um, the news early, it was a surprise. And then it made me reflect upon what I thought my prediction was for this. And I, and I thought that the data would show that um, this was safe and potentially um, efficacious to slow down uh, vision loss and the rate of progression of geographic atrophy in this group of patients who didn't have a treatment before this. And it made me also think about the fact that the biology and the translational science that has gone on um, over time, re really, it was not clear that complement modulation would be um, approvable, particularly since one major program, the Factor D program from Genentech, didn't, didn't go through. But then we had glimmers of hope with uh, Apellis and longer-term data, and Iveric is also right behind with some data. So the it was a surprise, and it was also um, a testament, I think, to a lot of the people, certainly the, the clinical trial centers and the patients and the clinical trial leaders like Nora Ladd, that um, this has gone over the finish line for something for patients. Very happy. Now, the indication is quite broad for both foveal and extrafoveal lesions with an approved dosing regimen anywhere between every 25 to 60 days. How do you feel this flexibility is going to affect its use in the clinic? Alan? Yeah, we're, <clears throat> that was another surprise. The, um, the label is liberal and broad, which is, which is helpful to all patients with geographic atrophy. Um, the label timing uh, interval of 25 to 60 days, we're used to thinking of 28 days. 25 is also uh, helpful to us from a clinician and patient standpoint. I think the, the liberal indications from a clinical standpoint and from an imaging standpoint are, are 
going to help us um, in, in getting a sense for what this does in the real world for patients. Not everyone is going to want to do this, quite frankly, because it doesn't meet the mark of improving vision and treatment burdens already something we witness in wet AMD where we're sometimes stabilizing or even improving vision. So I like the broad label in the sense that we have more potential patients to treat. Um, it's liberal in the sense of timing, which helps flexibility for patients as well. I like the label. I would agree. I think the label is going to give us clinicians a lot less to be concerned about, about the reimbursement side, but it will put the onus on us to really select the patients that will benefit the most from this, because as we learn more about it and, and practical and practical use, there are going to be some patients for whom this, this therapy may not be that beneficial. And um, the label is so broad. Um, I think we'll have to use some good old fashioned art of medicine to figure out who the best people are to treat because the benefit is not obvious to them as it is with anti-VEGF therapy, where you can uh, show them a OCT of improvement the next visit, even if they don't feel any improvement. Here, you're not going to be able to show them anything that's really improving. It's just going to slow the deterioration. And so um, you're not going to have the same buy-in that we're accustomed to with anti-VEGF. And selecting patients that are willing to to go on for an extended, very extended period of time without seeing an obvious improvement um, is going to be a, a bit of a challenge in patient selection. But uh, I think it's great that we have the broad label because it allows us to not necessarily worry about um, is this person eligible? Rather, we get to think about is this person going to benefit? Really good points by Bob. I. I would say that the other thing that I'm grateful for in the label is that the drug is approved for geographic atrophy, regardless of whether a patient has had choroidal neovascularization and treatment or is currently being treated for that. And we know that patients who um, are, are managed even well, their exudation is managed well with anti-VEGF injections over time, one of the major drivers for that fall off in vision in years two, three, four, five, and beyond that we've seen in clinical trials and in the real world is progression of atrophy. Those patients, having this available for that subgroup of patients is something that I, I did not anticipate as being part of the label and will allow us um, potentially to get a group of motivated patients who understand injections, understand the need for um, for tolerating burden of treatment and who are coming in already for injections, it'll allow us to um, get a good, good experience with this in, in a patient population that I think really could benefit. Now, given the huge population that this may be able to help, um, how are you guys planning to um, implement these changes into the clinic in terms of the extra patient education and even the extra injection burden. Um, Bob? Well, the education is critical. I've already um, had some preliminary conversations with my existing patients who may have juxtafovial bilateral disease and have been noticing their field uh, sort of shrink there a little bit to one side. And uh, when I tell them there's something in the hopper, 
the first question they have is, is it going to reverse this? And so I think it's critical that we manage expectations and be blunt that no, this just slows this process down because you can't give the patients a false hope. Um, and I, I do believe that people that have lost one eye, for instance, from this disease are still going to be quite motivated to slow down the loss of vision in the fellow eye. But patients who are totally asymptomatic may not be so motivated with the uh, long-term, if not infinite, treatment uh, burden. So education is critical. The, the impact on our practice, I don't think it'll be quite as much as we 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 had with anti-VEGF, obviously, because there are not as many indications of all the other diseases that are affected and not the patient volume. In addition, we're not going to have to be assessing uh, the response as we do with treat and extend, which is so commonly used, because we're not going to see much response. We have to check them for complications like CNV, but I have a feeling there'll be more sort of injection clinics type of inject only instead of assess and inject. Um, and so I think it will be a little more efficient and, and not uh, a terrible burden, shall we say, to our current clinical practice. At least that's what I'm expecting. Chair time, as Bob alludes, is really important. Um, I think that that'll probably be the biggest impact on our practice, my practice right now. Um, we're tr we try to be as efficient as possible in terms of um, injection only visits. I think that's I, I would agree with Bob. I think, you know, we don't have to assess much aside from complications. Choroidal knee vascularization is a <clears throat> is a dose dependent complication in this um, with with this particular medication, and um, we have we have a treatment for that, but we we still have to assess at at certain points in time. Um, and I I think retina practices are incredibly adept at adapt at adapting to whatever is required, whatever it takes we'll get it done um and we just we just do more and more that's been evidenced just with the anti-vegfs over time well great pearls everyone and we're all very excited to see how this new era of patient care works itself out as cyphovra hits the clinics and we hopefully have more therapies later this year this has been a really wonderful discussion and i would like to thank each of you for sharing your expertise with our listeners this concludes our episode but please tune in for future episodes of new retina radio 